0: Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the Watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Well What's up, Awaken Church? It is um, incredibly exciting to me to be gathered today online. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for worshiping with us. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes in life there's just good things that, it's good to know there's things that are consistent and that are constant and that are going to be, uh, especially in 2020, going to be waiting for us every single week. Church is one of those things. And uh, I was just thinking this this past week, uh, this is the week that school really supposed to start this upcoming week and uh, you know if you're anything like me I know in my house there's preparations getting ready for school there's a lot of parents right now some of you moms out there uh, getting ready for virtual learning uh, this past week my, my my wife Ashley took our kids uh, back to school shopping and and Braley yesterday I was looking at his new pair of Jordans and I thought to myself why in the world do you actually need those like you're going to be on a Zoom call when school starts. No one's going to see your shoes at all. All you really need to do is like get like a really nice shirt, change your shirts every single week um, or every day. Like that's all people are going to see. And uh, ho- hopefully, uh, eventually they will get back in person. But uh, it's, it's interesting to me right now that uh, there's so much in the world that's uh, seeking definition. Like what is the point of school? You know, you thought about that? You probably heard some of those discussions. Is it just for education? Is it just for socialization? Is it both? Is it uh, for meals for those who don't have meals? How are they going to get to and from school? These are questions that are going on. What about, um, you know, in, in terms of church, what is the church? Do we need to gather in person, right? Can we just be house churches and small groups meeting? And right now there's there's a resurgence of uh, people looking to define the church and the purpose of the church. And, and one of the things I'm excited about is we launch into this new series. Today we're starting a brand new series called Heart and Soul. Heart and Soul. Where we're looking at really the distinctives and the characteristics of the church. What is the church? And if you were uh, watching earlier when Mike shared the story of he and his family, Uh, getting connected here at Awaken. You heard uh, him talk about gather, grow, give, and go. And these distinctives that we stand for really here at Awaken Church and in scripture, what we see the church defined as. And I'm excited about it because I I really don't know that there's ever been a better time to to clearly lay out the purpose of the church. Why it is that we do what we do, what we seek to accomplish in these distinctives. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn... To Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. Every year since we've started the church, we we planted Awaken Church back in 2013, and every year when school starts, the season, the fall season. Even though it doesn't really feel like the fall season right now, with uh, school kind of starting and football is up in the air, uh, it, it we're we're on that season again where we're moving into um, the fall, and I wanna I wanna make sure that we capitalize on this opportunity to really define what the church is. Some of you have been uh, started watching since we've been online during COVID. Uh, others of you have been connected for seven years uh, in the life of this church. And I just think every, every year that it comes around, I'm reminded even in study of how important it is to let the, the church that Jesus established carry out the, the mission distinctives uh, that Jesus called his people to. Because as the people of God, we have marching orders in what it is that we're supposed to do, how it is that we're supposed to live, and what the church is supposed to carry out uh, as a uh, a kingdom church. And so if you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. And I want to read this passage to you. Some of you are very familiar with this. Others of you, this will be the first time hearing it. But uh, to give you an idea of where this is coming from, uh, Acts chapter 2, the early church has been established. Jesus was sent from heaven. It's He spent 33 years on earth. He eventually went to the cross, died for your sins and for mine, ascended back into heaven in Acts chapter 1. And then the disciples and the followers, about 120 of them, they began praying and waiting on the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came to them, Peter stood up and preached. Thousands were saved. And then the church dispersed back into their different regions And they began gathering in homes. They've been gathering in small groups. These small groups of believers gathered together everywhere. And what we find in Acts chapter 2 is a definition of how they lived. A definition of what they did as the people of God. And I believe we're a part of this same movement. It's just 2,000 years later, we're part of the same movement with the same marching orders. I want to read this to you because it gives us descriptors of exactly how they lived. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is what we find. Now they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done, being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and they were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want you, if you got your Bible right there in front of you, I want to invite you to take a highlighter or a pen and, and highlight or underline or circle the number of times you see the word all and together in that passage. It's five verses that are incredibly Powerful, but it shows the unification and the unity of the early church and how they were aligned on this mission that they had seen Jesus carry out and that they were called to themselves. I've decided decided to title the sermon today, Are You With Me? Are You With Me? Because ultimately, what Jesus calls his followers to is a mission. And the answer is if you're actually going to follow Jesus, you have to answer the question. Are you with him? Are are you with his agenda, willing to do what he wants to do as the church? Because the truth is, as the church, as Christians, we don't really get the option to pick and choose what part of Jesus' life that we want to follow. And so we believe he's laid out some very clear distinctives of what the church should be. I want to cover those together. If you got your pen or you're taking notes on your phone, this is the first one. It's that they gathered, the people of God, the early church, they gathered together for worship. They gathered together for worship. We have a value here at Awakened Church, one of our core values, is that we gather together for worship. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, in the early church, uh, some, some scholars, most scholars will agree that when all the believers were together at Peter's, uh, sermon when, when thousands were saved and baptized. It was during a Jewish holiday and afterwards they dispersed and went back to their different cities and their different regions. I want you to imagine, uh, we're here in South Carolina where I'm in Charleston, but I want you to imagine if people traveled from all over the state to Columbia. And let's say we went to Columbia, our state capital, and, and there was a large festival. And at that festival, thousands of people decided to follow Jesus and Thousands of people were baptized there in the river. Well, when the festival was over, everyone traveled back to their hometowns and back to their cities. So now we really, for the first time, had a a large uh, group of people who claimed to be followers of Jesus that were dispersed. And so when they went back to their towns, what did they do? They met together in in homes. They, They pulled together with those who had also made that decision. They were eager to know more about this man named Jesus, they had just given their life to. They they longed to hear the teachings about who he was and hear the apostles teach them about how Jesus lived. And so what they would do was they would, even though they were in different homes, they would come together in their towns, right? And they would long to hear the teaching in the temple about who this man Jesus was. And so there were gatherings that were smaller in nature. I want you to think about like a rural town in South Carolina, maybe a smaller church. Let's say there's a hundred people gathered up. And then in the larger cities, so let's say Columbia or here in Charleston, there would be hundreds gathered together, maybe even thousands gathered together. My point is, as we look at the church today, whether it's a smaller church, a larger church, or anything in between, there really isn't a definition on what a healthy size church is. But the point is that the church, no matter what size, does have a time when they gather together for worship, it's what we find in verse 44. They uh, they all believed together. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings. They were distributing the proceeds. Verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. There were two distinctives here. They would go to the temple together, and that's where they would sit and receive teaching about who Jesus was. And they would worship in that setting as well. Can I just tell you that when we talk about worship, there's a vertical aspect to worship. It's what we just did as a church. It's where we sing praises to God and we um, remind him of who he says he is. And and together, collectively, right? there's something that happens when the praises of God's people come together. There is a spirit that fills the room. It is what you're missing right now at home. Like if I can just take a moment and be honest, it's what, it's what we're missing as the church right now. It's not that God's not present, His Holy Spirit is not present in your living room, it is. But collectively, when we come together as the people of God, man, there is an energy and a spirit and a momentum that builds our faith. I think about the NBA bubble right now. I don't know if any of you have been watching the NBA games uh, and seeing all the digital fans, it's pretty cool. Uh, and, and the NBA, you know, or major league baseball right now, I heard you can like pay to get a cardboard cut out of yourself, uh, at the game, which is just incredible marketing. But I was watching a, a major league baseball game the other day. And, uh, you know, it, they've, they've decided in the stadiums to pump in crowd noise to these games, right? Like, so you got a guy that's on first base, he's looking to steal to second base and the pitcher throws off and you hear this like, boo. I mean, there's nobody in the stadium. There's nobody there. That's kind of weird, right? Uh, or, or like the NBA games, and you can hear over the speakers, like the crowd cheering for the game. It's like there's nobody, there's nobody there except the, the, the teammates. And so it's just interesting to me that, that, that there would be this conscious decision to try to bring in sound and bring in energy, even to a sports complex. Why? Because it does motivate and build energy, it builds faith even of the players. Now bring it back to church. You go, why, why do we need to gather together as the church? There's some right now that would say, you know, we don't actually need to, to gather on Sundays. We don't really need the buildings. Just house churches in the New Testament, we'll just stay in the house churches. And I would beg the question, if, if that's your thought, then why did you gather before COVID, right? Like there was an important part to gathering And Hebrew says, do not forsake the gathering together as some do. See, when we come together on Sundays, there is this uh, vertical worship of God that happens that's incredibly important. But there's also this command throughout Scripture to love and to serve and encourage and care for one another. And I would submit to you that as, as we do those things with one another, as we give hugs on Sunday mornings or fist bumps as we encourage one another, as we lift up with words, as we serve one another, there's an aspect to our worship that extends horizontally as well. And that's why we say that we believe we gather together for worship both vertically and horizontally. It's not that we worship other people, but in the way that we love, serve, and care for others, it is an aspect of our worship. We see it throughout the early church. The second thing that these believers did in the early church is that they grew in faith through relationships. Now, I listen to you, what's amazing about this passage is that there's relationship littered all throughout it. I mean, when we, when we find them saying that uh, they, they all gathered together, they were selling off their possessions, they were distributing the proceeds to those who had need. You, you only know people have need if you have relationship, right? Like if you're not in relationship with people, you don't really know what the needs are. They're not going to share it with you. Day by day, they were meeting in the temple, they were breaking breads in the homes. they were uh, eating meals together. They had favor with all the people. We find a group of people that were in close, tight-knit relationship with each other. And what I love about this is that when we look at the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels, Jesus was the master of building relationships. He was the master of relationships. I mean, it really is, relationship is the, is, the, is the heart of the gospel, if you think about it. I mean, the gospel is this, that, that God in heaven looks at humanity and realizes there is a disconnect because of our sin. And God desires relationship so much, John 3, 16, that he sent his one and only son to the earth. God sends Jesus. And Jesus comes and what does he, he builds relationship with people just like you and I, not perfect people at all, broken people who were in desperate need of forgiveness and salvation and hope. When I think of Jesus, I think about him walking along the Sea of Galilee and seeing fishermen who had given their lives to this trade, who in many ways were not good enough to be a part of Judaism, to be a part of the religion of their day. They didn't have the educational qualifications. They were outcasts to some degree. And Jesus walks along and he builds a friendship with these guys. And he gets in the boat with them and he starts fishing with them. Isn't it amazing that, that, that the savior of the world is willing to get into a dirty boat to build a relationship with some fishermen? You know, you're no different. We're no different. I don't know what boat you're in. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what you currently have going on. But, but the, the heart of God is that Jesus would get into your situation with you. I think about Jesus walking through the city and having this woman drug up before him who was caught in adultery. And religion and the law of her day said that she needed to be stoned to death. And they put her before Jesus and essentially uh, ask him, do we carry out the law? Does she need to be condemned? And Jesus chooses to love this woman. And he tells them, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. Jesus loved this woman who in many ways was just unlovable according to her context. He's the master of relating. I think about Jesus when he uh, meets with Nicodemus, probably the wisest man in all of Israel. And he has a conversation about spiritual things and he tells Nicodemus, look, you don't, you can't fully understand spiritually what I'm talking about. I think about Zacchaeus in a tree and Jesus calls him down and he goes into this wealthy man's house who was so far from God, but he has a meal with him, he has relationship. Jesus built relationships with all kinds of people. And I just believe that as we look at the early church and these apostles who modeled what Jesus did, they knew that there was something more about the kingdom of God, something more about the movement of the church than simply just knowing the scriptures. Because knowing the scriptures was key, but there was a whole lot of religious leaders and a whole lot of Pharisees who knew the word. They just didn't know how to build a bridge and relationship to share it with the people who needed it most. See, we believe here at Awaken Church that church is a whole lot more than coming to a building, right? Like it's, it's about knowing one another. It's about braiding your life together with other people it's about sharing burdens and prayer requests. It's about caring for others when they're going. One of the things I love the most about our church is that when someone has a baby, when someone has a baby, you might as well go ahead and order a deep freezer for your garage because you're not gonna be able to handle all the meals that come. It's amazing. There's like meal trains that get set up, right? And it's like, oh, you know, I, Ashley will say, babe, we need to reserve a, you know, get on the calendar for a meal for so-and-so. And it's like, okay, cool. When do you want to do that? Well, three, three weeks from now is the first availability. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, we, we have a church that, that cares and loves for people so well. It's one of the reasons that through COVID, not only has our church just survived, but in so many ways, there's been thriving that has taken place. Why? Because of the relationships through small groups, groups that ju- jumped on a Zoom call and started doing Zoom groups and now that we can meet back in person or meeting back in person and maybe you're watching and you go, you know what, relationally, I'm not super connected at Awakened Church. Can I just invite you to jump into relationships? Consider getting into a small group or a book chat through our ladies ministry or one of the other groups that's gonna be offered. Like, can I just encourage you to get into relationship because that is where you're actually gonna build faith that is strengthened over time, when you see God working in other people's lives, when you hear him answering their prayer requests, when you're able to to walk into a house and share what's going on in your life and have six, eight, ten other people pray with you in that, man, that is where your faith gets strengthened. Yes, we're going to be studying the word in those groups. It's so important to be reading God's word on your own. But nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the Bible. Do we see a privatized walk with Jesus elevated. Always community, always relationship with others, all together, unified. That's what the people of God were like. That's what the church looked like in the New Testament. I think back to when I was in college, my senior year at the College of Charleston. And I had to take business law. I had to finish out my degree. I was a pre-law major, and I had to take business law. And there was probably 100 people in this class. And we would go in, and, and all this information uh, was handed down. And we would take notes and try to keep up on note cards. But what what our professor had organized were these study groups. And the study groups were basically taking the, the room of 100 and dividing us into 25 groups of four. And so what it would look like is every Tuesday and Thursday we'd go in for an hour and a half and get downloaded all this information, but then on our own time, we would set up time with our study group, and many of you have had these in school yourself. We'd meet together as a study group and then process all the information that was shared. Talk about the cases, try to memorize the cases, right, so that we could go in and excel on the exam. When I think about church, y'all, church is no different than that. We'll have hundreds of people gathered in here on a Sunday, But during the week, if you don't have a group of four or six or 10 that you can really connect with, process what God's doing in and through you, ask questions about the scripture, celebrate what he's doing in your life, ask for prayer in areas where you need help, your your faith is not gonna grow at the same rate as others that do. I think about the beginning of COVID, uh, I was leading a men's group. And one of the guys in my men's group, close friend, uh, family's super faithful in this church, um, and I'm not going to say his name because I don't have permission to share his story. But he shared with us uh, on the, the Zoom call that uh, he had lost his job. It was one of the round of of layoffs that had taken place, uh, and obviously that is not the news that you want when you're married and have several kids. And um, I don't know that you ever want the news that you're getting laid off. But I remember saying, you know, we're going to pray. You and and we believe that God's got a plan. I remember him saying I know God's got a plan and he's continued to serve the Lord, continue to give faithfully, continue to be involved here at the church. And yesterday I got a text message uh, that I want to read because I believe this is when you ask me how does faith grow in relationships, this is how faith grows. A prayer that was prayed back in March, maybe early April. This is, this is now answered. And this is the text message. I want to read it to you. Good news to share. After four months of being unemployed, God has opened a new door for me and my family. Same role, new company. What's even more incredible is that it comes with a 17% increase compared to when I left my other job. What? Right, can we? I don't know how to say that in a text message, right? It's like, what with like, Uh, exclamation marks and question marks, exclamation marks. And he says, praise to almighty God. He is too good. Thank you for all your prayers and support my brothers. You want to know how God grows my faith is yes, through reading his word. But when I see him move actively in the lives of his people and I see him bless those who are faithful, see him answer prayer, it would not happen outside of having relationship with this guy. And maybe for you, church has been this, let me just attend on a Sunday and get the word that the pastor delivers and sing a few songs, drop some money and then head home. But can I tell you, you are missing an entire sphere of spiritual growth if you don't allow yourself to be in relationship with other people, because that's where you see God move. The early church, they were so connected relationally that God was using them to bless others, using them to care for others, using them to help provide. They were receiving help when they needed it from others. It's all about relationships. It's the undercurrent of the entire gospel. And if we miss that, we're missing something very specific and special about the heart of God. Make sure you get into relationships as a part of the church. The third thing is this, when we look at this passage, the people of God, the church, they gave generously. They gave generously. They didn't like tip uh, the offering bucket when it came by. When I read this passage, y'all listen, it says, um, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Any questions about what we find? Like it paints a picture of a group of people that when there was a need present, there was a burden financially it's like, oh, you, you need groceries? All right, cool, well, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sell off my iPod, iPhone real quick, I got you next month. Oh, you, you got some medical bills? Cool, got that. Um, I'm gonna put some stuff right now on Facebook Marketplace, sell it off, I got you covered, right? It's kind of crazy for us to think that way, but that's exactly how the people are operating. I, I, some of my favorite stories within uh, the life of our church over this last uh, five months, has been people that are, have been in need of groceries and a small group stepped up and filled the pantry. Or I love when uh, there's, there's babies set to be born and there's showers that are thrown and there's just diapers on diapers on diapers. It's amazing to look in and watch that. What's also amazing is because of your generosity as a church, it's been so cool to hear stories of being able to help families in hotel rooms and uh, to be able to help support in our community to give to organizations, nonprofits that are already serving during this time of COVID to come alongside and come behind them and help support financially to see these things take place. That's what it looks like today. Our local nonprofits, our local mission partners, as you give faithfully, we're able to redirect so many of those funds to be the the fuel and the tanks for mission of these organizations in our city. That's what we see in the early church. There was this call, yes, to support one another, but also this outward mission to support the community and to love the community. And that's why I love there at the end, it says, um, praising God and having favor with all the people in verse 47. When we read all the people there, it's now extending beyond just the gathered believers, but all the people means the community. The church had favor with the community. The church had favor in their city. Why? Because they loved and they served and they gave. What has happened to where now in so many places, the church is not seen as an advocate for or the church doesn't have favor in the community? Maybe it's because we've been known for things that uh, we're against right? Like maybe it's because uh, we've, we've elevated certain things above what's most important. I know that uh, sometimes if, and here's a, here's a good example. If you were to go to somebody right now that you work with, maybe a neighbor, uh, possibly a friend that's not connected to the church, ask them. Say, what do you think about the church? What do you think about Christians? I would, I would submit to you their, their summary may not be Um, what we see here. It may not be very favorable the way we see it in the New Testament. Why is that? And I think it's because in a lot of ways the church, specifically in America, has drifted away from loving, serving, caring, and giving to the city. We exist for the good of those around us. And we need to love and we need to serve and we need to give. I think about stories in our church. One of our values is we give generously of our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I think about those who give so generously of their time. I mean, this past week, uh, several of our staff went out and Tevin Sims led the way, our group's pastor, and just li- just, just crashed on houses of group leaders all throughout the Lowcountry, right? Like my, my wife and I, we were one of them. We were at our house, I think it was Wednesday night, about 8.30, and it's like, ding dong. And they came in and they blew confetti, these confetti cannons everywhere, and gave these gift bags and water bottles and sunglasses. And, and I was like, what is going on? They, they, were, they were loving and serving group leaders. That happened to over a hundred group leaders all throughout the country, right? So if you're a group leader and you didn't get hit with a celebration this past week, you can email Tevin Sims right now, tsims at awakenchurch.cc. Uh, we, we celebrated these leaders, Why? Because they give their time to make disciples. They give their time to open up their homes and get in God's word and uh, text and follow up and call the people that have been put into their groups, their leaders in our church. And we're so thankful for all of you group leaders. By the way, right now on the thread, can you just show some love to whoever your group leader is? Tell them you love them, tag them in the post, whatever you need to do. This church we would not be near as healthy as God has us healthy without the leadership of our church, the group leaders that are the backbone of helping make disciples here at Awaken. I think about those who give generously of their talents. We talk about talents, what do you mean? It means giftedness that God's given you. Uh, I think about graphic design or social media. Even today, you're going to be looking at our social media pages and you see photographers like Stefan or Gina. You see, uh, Savannah that's running social media and Lauren Brown. I think about graphic designers we've had like Justin Lanier and, uh, Margaret German. I think about those who have given so faithfully of their talents. Why? To expand the kingdom and to build ministry here and push it out. You go, well, I don't, I don't know how God would use my talents. You'll never know unless you put them on the table. There's somebody watching right now that is an incredible graphic designer and you never thought for a second the church could use you. Can I just tell you, if you'll just send us a message right now, maybe even put it in the thread, I guarantee you we have a place for you to use your talents in designing graphics or videography or production. I'm looking at guys on cameras right now who don't even work for the church but serve so faithfully and at the production booth in the back who serve so faithfully, utilizing their talents to advance the kingdom. Listen, whatever God's given you, whatever he's put in you, he can use for his kingdom purposes, but you gotta let us know. Give generously of time, talent, and last treasure. And this is my chance to say to all of you who have given so faithfully, continue to tithe, continue to give generously. Thank you for your faithfulness in continuing to give to the Lord's house. It's been amazing what we've been able to see happen and continue to do in ministry because of your faithfulness. When I look at Acts chapter two, I see a people who were gathered together and the overarching characteristic or distinctive is they were selfless. They were selfless. They had this mentality that whatever I have, I'm giving it away. It may be something in me like a talent that I'm giving away. It may be something given to me, a possession that I'm giving away. It may be something that I earned through income. I'm giving it away. But essentially, their, their mentality was anything that I have is from the Lord and is to be used for the good of the people and the advancement of his kingdom. The church gave generously. And lastly, what we find is that they carried out the final marching order that Jesus gave them to go and make disciples, go Make disciples. Jesus before he went back into heaven. He looked at his followers and he says, Go. I want to read it to you word for word, because I I think this is incredibly important. It's it's really the reason for the church. It's the great commission found in Matthew chapter twenty-eight and verse eighteen. Jesus before he goes back into heaven, he says, Jesus came, said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth Has been given to me. And if you have any questions, there is no more authority to gain. Like Jesus says, I got it all right here. And with that authority, with that power, this is what he says Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Right, so Jesus is going, look, I want you to go and I want you to share with them the gospel. I want you to baptize them, but also teach them everything that I've taught you. All the stories, all the understandings of scripture, the way of living that you see me live. Teach them everything that I've commanded you and know this. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus closes with this marching order to go and make disciples, And that's what we see the church doing. They didn't have classes for discipleship, right? They didn't meet on a Sunday evening and say, hey, if you're in the community and you you wanna know more about uh, God, come meet with us Sunday at 5.30. No. A better reading of that passage is, as you go, make disciples. As they live their lives, the way they live their lives, we're told the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. So as they lived in the way that they lived, there was something about their life that made the people on the outside go, man, that's different, and I want to know more about it. And that's where relationships started, and conversation happened, and the gospel was shared. The good news that Jesus came to save sinners like me and you. That's, that's what was taking place all throughout the book of Acts. You know, I've been asked before, is, is is it about discipleship or evangelism? Discipleship, right? Like teaching the commands, knowing the word, studying the word, or evangelism? Going out, inviting new people, sharing the gospel. Like which, which, which one weighs more? Which one is more important? And, and the way that I like to marry these two together is like a spear. I wish I had one in my hands. Imagine a wooden spear with, with a tip on the spear you can't have one without the other right i just believe that discipleship when when done right when disciple making is done right when we study the word and we study the gospel for what it is discipleship is the spear and evangelism is the tip of the spear in other words you you can't just you can't have discipleship unless you share the good news of the gospel with somebody. But if you just stop at sharing the gospel, there will never be the strength needed to send that person back into mission. They're married together and as a church, the reason that, that we embrace this go and make disciples is because we believe that as we become more like Jesus and as our faith increases in groups and as we grow more into his likeness, we'll in the process and as we live, reach more people who don't know Jesus. We say around here that uh, we go after our one. We go after our one. Who's your one today? Who's the one person that God's put into your life that in the way that you live and in the way that you act and in the way that you love and serve, who's that one person that you can pray for and build relationship with and share the gospel with, but not just stop there to get into relationship and community with? You already know the name of that person. You might want to tag them on this video or list them below, and we want to pray for them as well. But as a church, the distinctives, heart and soul of who we are, we gather together for worship, we grow in faith through relationship, we give generously of our time, talent, and treasure, and we go after our one. Gather, grow, give, go. Heart and soul of who we are as a church. And the question, it really is the sermon title, are you with me in that? Are you with me? Because the unity and the alignment that we see here in Acts chapter two, it created an unstoppable force called the church and we're a part of it still today. I wanna invite you in closing this morning, we're all waiting for the day that we can gather back together on a Sunday. Praise God, it looks like some of the numbers have started to decline in our area and we don't know when a date is. We haven't put a date On the calendar, we're still monitoring uh, all the data and we're trying to make the best and uh, most well-informed decision that we can in that moving forward. And I, I wanna thank you for your grace and your patience in that regard and for continuing to tune in on Sundays. But when the doors open back up, how committed will you be to be here, to worship together in person? Because we do gather for worship. When we talk about grow, maybe it's making a decision right now For you, for your spouse, maybe your roommates, some accountability. Go ahead and make the commitment that come September, you're getting into a relationship and you're going to get into a group. You're going to jump in. You're going to build community. Your faith is going to grow. You're going to help other people's faith grow. Go and make the decision to get into a small group here at Awaken Church. And maybe with giving, maybe today you decide to give for the very first time. Maybe you decide that now it's time to start investing your treasure in the kingdom. Maybe it's a talent. You heard me share earlier about graphic designers or videographers or whatever your talent may be. Listen, just send us a message and go, how can you use this? This is what God's gifted me in. And then lastly, maybe the go. Maybe there is that one person that we can be praying for with you. Or maybe you are that person. And today you wanna give your life to Jesus. You can text follow Jesus right now to 797979. And we'll come along beside you in that decision, see you get baptized and help you grow in your faith together as a church because that is what we do. Man, I want to thank you, Awaken. I love you so much. And, and it's crazy when I put this together, it's like, are you with me? The amazing thing is seeing the unity and solidarity of you as a church. It just invigorates me as a pastor. I love serving and leading the kingdom with you. You know, before we wrap up today, uh, I, I do have some news to share with you. And uh, it's it's exciting news. Uh, it's also bittersweet uh, in some way, but uh, there's really no easy way to say it. This past week, I had a meeting with Forrest Coleman. Uh, Forrest and Emily Coleman, Sweet Ember, uh, ha- they, they have served so faithfully here for the last four years. And uh, you may know them as Forest Fire. I know on these threads, it's Forest Fire, anytime that he preaches, he hails from Kentucky and uh, Forrest can bring the word. He's an incredible communicator, incredibly gifted in so many ways. Forrest met with me this past Wednesday and he shared with me, Pastor Brandon, uh, God's called me and Emily to go and plant a church in Frankfort, Kentucky. And that's the state he's from. And they moved here four years ago and God has done a tremendous work in and through Forrest and Emily, I think about uh, launching out the Somerville campus. I think about small groups. There's really nothing here at this church that Forrest hasn't directly touched over the last four years. And when I think about faithfulness and commitment, and even the, the words heart and soul, Forrest has been in heart and soul. And so for me, obviously it's, uh, it's painful to think, man, he's, he's going, he's going to plant a church. But at the same time, I know that when God calls somebody, There is no stopping it. And so today what I want to do as a church is celebrate God's call on Forrest and Emily's life. And I wanted you to hear directly from him a little more about what that actually looks like.